Welcome to EGN Conversations. This is Nick Johnson, and I will be speaking with business leaders from a wide range of industries on hot and trending topics. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, good afternoon and welcome to EGN Conversations. Today we have Marta Grutgard with us. She is the global brand consultant and C-suite advisor. Marta, great to have you with us today. How are you? I am so excited to be here and talking to you about this, Nick. Nice to see you. That's great, Marta. And uh, perhaps you can let us know what topic did you have on your mind today? <laughs> well, you inspired the topic, and I want to start by just you know thanking you for raising awareness of this overall conversation. I think it's very, very important and has become even more so this year. But the topic that I proposed is uh, a room full of men, executive loneliness from a woman's point of view. Fantastic, a room full of men. I love that, Marta. I've, I've heard it before, but not many like you are brave enough to start talking about it on the podcast. So what, what inspires you today to talk about this topic? Well, the actual, um, you know, the room full of men concept actually was inspired by a woman in here in Singapore. She's one of the grand doms of public relations. Her name is Florence Ang. And years and years and years ago, she and I had worked together on, with some media, entertainment and technology um, consortiums. On, as, their, as our clients. And she made the remark to me that I should write a book called A Room Full of Men. And she said that I was perhaps discounting my ability to command a room full of men. And that a lot of, number one, that I seem to take it for granted being included in a room full of senior executives and being the only woman, number one, but also then she seemed to feel that I had a facility with it and an ability connect to connect with the men that was unlike something she had seen. Um, so that was kind of, I was remembering that conversation when I, when I proposed the topic. Um, and I also feel that it's a conversation for such a time as this. Um, I have been global and living abroad since the mid to late 80s. I have been working remotely and in a digital context um, since 1996. I have had three of my own companies since 2002. And I've worked you know, more or less in various forms of independence, um, whether I was in corporates or on my own um, since 2008. So I feel now um, that this is you know, kind of a relevant, timely conversation and that my experience is perhaps an amplification of what we're seeing now. And that's led me to certain phases in terms of loneliness. The other thing that I've experienced um, in my roles as a chief communications officer and kind of a right hand to the C-suite, I have found myself as a confidant to some of the men executives who have described themselves and shared with me about their loneliness. And then in the last, I would say five years, I've been approached more and more by millennial women who like me found relative uh, success early in their careers. And they're then suddenly like early thirties, mid thirties saying, whoa, wait a second, where's my relationship? Where's the rest of my life? So it, it's keep coming up in my in my atmosphere and um, it feels like now is a an opt opportune time mm. well thank you so much marta for, for talking with us today about this topic so um, 
as you said, you've been working across the globe for many C-suite companies and so on, and currently you're based in Singapore. And in Singapore also, I know that we have a heavy underrepresentation of women on the boards. So only around 10, 11% is the numbers I heard. So indeed, uh, if you're in a boardroom, you would be only one or two women. Um, so perhaps you can give us some, can you mention one experience you had in your past when you really felt lonely? Mm, there's, I think there's different definitions of loneliness. Um, and we can maybe delve into those if, if you'd like, you know, after this. But one of the more profoundly lonely times in my career was when I actually first moved to, to Asia. Um, my mother had just died. I moved here for a relationship um, that very quickly went in the wrong direction. So I moved, you know, not just cities or countries, but continents came to a whole new part of the world um, as a white uh, woman in Asia. Um, you know, 16 years ago, it was a different ball game. And I think it was that confluence of, you know, culture shock, multiple losses in the relationship space, as well as I changed industries. I had been in media and entertainment, working in a very sexy job in Hollywood. I suddenly found myself working in a professional services firm uh, in Singapore, and it was quite a different ballgame. I was also traveling all the time. So, you know, you know, the lifestyle here in Singapore is very much about, you know, living here so that you can have global and regional roles. And I was probably out of Singapore three weeks out of the month, staying in beautiful five-star hotels all by myself, um, all around the region. So that was a profoundly kind of uh, more than a trifecta of loneliness cocktail. <laughs> yeah, and, and I heard that many times from senior executives, especially at the highest level. And if you're looking before COVID, executives were perhaps traveling 70 to 80% of the time it's very difficult to maintain any form of relationships anywhere at any level when you're just not around. Um, so how did you deal with this then? And, and perhaps uh, you can share with us, how are you looking at this these days and uh, any tips you can share with anyone who's listening today? It's a great question. I think just to reinforce the added layer to it that I think is important, um, particularly in this region. You know, a lot of business is done after hours. A lot of business is, you know, the guys all going out and hanging out and, you know, drinking dinners, what have you. Um, I think, you know, playing, navigating in that space as a woman is a very delicate dance. Um, you know, obviously there's either a level where you're just not invited. Um, you know, it's kind of like you show up at the office during the day and then you're on your left on your own for the evening. Or if you're invited, it may or may not be the context that you really want to be a part of for your health, as well as just for levels of appropriateness of what you're, you're then exposed to. So I think at the time, you know, having come under the, the pretense of a relationship as being the promise of what was waiting for me on the other side, and then finding myself alone almost, you know, all the time, you know, kind of compounded it. I then, I dealt with it in some unhealthy ways. And I think you shared about your experience doing the same thing. Um, and I also, the beauty of being in Asia kind of saved me in terms of I was able to delve into, um, I guess what most would call a spiritual journey. Um, a lot of yoga and spa healing and a lot of, you know, crying and self-reflection, you know, on my own in these amazing hotels all around, you know, Asia. I think kind of kept me afloat at that point in time. 
I think tips right now that I would give people is to recognize, first of all, when there's complex circumstances that are going to, no matter who you are, make your ability to manage stress more challenging. So, you know, global role, lots of travel, all of that, you know, your self-care has to come first. And I don't care if that's five minutes in the morning or 15 minutes afterward, after work, um, whether it's taking a bubble bath or taking a walk, I think tuning into your physical space, attending to that. And then really, again, avoiding maybe some of the things that will compound depression or anxiety, you know, things like alcohol, too much caffeine, too much sugar, um, are just simple, simple tips um, mm. that, you know, getting back to basics of self-care. Mm. And uh, Marta, perhaps we can look at this uh, in two different ways. You touched upon, for example, the, the importance of self-care and playing versus a uh, healthy life, which I do know you do now. You exercise and, and look after yourself now. That It's difficult, though, because sometimes you have to entertain clients. Your boss is asking you to be there. So how do you actually manage then to put some parameters around you when the pressure is there and you're supposed to come out and play and you're supposed to be there to look after the clients? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, come at it from a space of, you know, enjoyment and you have your own healthy boundaries. Don't listen to other people's expectations. So, you know, I love a good glass of wine or whatever, like the rest of us. But I think, you know, it's very easy to just talk it in terms of the now and to politely kind of just say, um, you know, no, thank you. I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> um, and you don't really owe people a justification as much as you think you do. And I think this in particular, women have a harder time just saying no and saying no thank you as a very simple way of, of creating a boundary. They feel like they have to tell the whole story or explain or justify. Mm -hmm. And Martha, a lot of our listeners today are indeed uh, savvy networkers. And uh, so how has networking changed this year and how you managed to stay connected and network uh, with people both inside Singapore and outside? And has that helped you to get out of loneliness at any time? Um, yes, I, it helps to a degree. So for me, it hasn't changed too, too much. Like I said, I've been playing in this space. I think what's changed is more people are alive to it. So even more people now are reaching out to me, which has, has helped my me personally, in terms of my loneliness, um, because more people have sought me out. Whereas in the past, I felt like since I was the one kind of on the move and on the go, I did a lot more of the outreach to keep connected with people who were in different countries or what have you. Um, I think at the time too, we were traveling. So it was easy to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to be in Hong Kong, let's meet at the airport. <laughs> you know, it was easier to keep those connections. So another thing that's changed this year is people are, you know, finding ways to kind of use the digital space. I think the downside of that is there's, a, you know, there's a real deeper connection that all of us are, you know, saying, you know, is getting harder to, to forge across the miles. So I think in that respect, you have to then really make sure that you have that handful, you know, just networking to collect people is never a strategy. I think in a way it can make you feel more lonely. Like I've got thousands of people in my Rolodex and who really cares about me kind of a feeling. So, you know, being really clear about who does matter and, you know, really making a conscious choice to stay connected to those people. Um, while mm. staying open to new people is important. Yeah. 
And finally, Marta, do you have some advice to uh, senior C-suite or senior executives, uh, females, how they should go about their executive loneliness if they find themselves perhaps working in a bank and they've been in the same company 20, 30 years and they are the only female in their department? What should they do, do to be able to connect with the rest of, of the team and also, of course, with themselves? Any, any final advice from you, Marta? Yeah, women tend to be nurturers they can swing both two ways. I find they either like overcompensate and go into command and control to be like one of the boys and they can lose what my mentor Gina DeBee talks about and calls the feminine instinct. Um, or they swing the other way where they try to compensate and they throw all their love into work and then they become like mothers to the teams and neither one of them is going to be a recipe. So I think, again, really getting in peer networks, you know, whether it's something like EGN, where you can, you know, be with other people at the same level um, who share similar experiences. I think also, I'm surprised by this, but, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from having like a coach, mentor, or even just a sounding board, but in terms of peers, other mm. women who are going through the same thing. What about women in leadership or these female peer groups that seems to be quite popular these days? Have you any personal experience of that or any opinion if that's a good avenue? I think for me, I still like mixed networks more. I think that that's more healthy and balanced for all of us. And there's a lot of power partnerships that can come out of that. However, I do participate in several, you know, women's only, um, you know, online groups and they're global in 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 nature. Um, and it, you have to, again, kind of self-select what's resonating with you. Um, there are actually groups where you can um, learn and cultivate the art of maintaining your femininity and, and can staying connected to being a woman, even as you're in a male-dominated um, or working in a predominantly male-oriented um, energy all day. So all of us have both energies in us. And when you're in senior executive roles, you tend to kind of be more action-oriented, et cetera. So finding those communities where it is more about, you know, cultivating um, more flow and fun and joy um, is very important. Hey, some sound advice there from Marta Grutka. Thank you so much for being with us today at EGN Conversations. It's been great speaking with you, Marta. So Marta is a global brand consultant and C-suite advisor. And uh, I hope that you will connect with many more women and take them through and get, uh, listen to your advice. And uh, good luck with your book if you write the room for a lot of men. And then <laughs> sit on that too, yeah? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to EGN Conversations. This is Nick Johnson. Please follow me on LinkedIn to get the latest updates on EGN Conversations.